Hello again, everybody. I hope this finds you all fit and well and coping. We have, what would you call it in the UK? Lockdown 3.0, I suppose. We're all banged up again. Uh, it's tough out there, really tough. And this thing has got us by the short and curlies. So first thing I would say is stay safe. Hope you're all well. Don't forget. The most important thing is that your, you and yours are all okay. Just keep safe, and uh, let's forget about that. And uh, and let's talk about things that are a bit more fun. Uh, I've got a, a cracking guest for you today. A young man. Well, young man, he's about my age, <laughs> but I remember him as a young man. Um, a professional sportsman and absolutely changed the face of his sport during the uh, 90s and early 2000s. Um, and I've got to know him because he loves a great cigar. So that makes him a good bloke as far as I'm concerned. I'll introduce you to him very, very shortly. But first, I would like to uh, thank my sponsors and friends starting with, of course, Souter Cigars of Mayfair. If you haven't seen us, Lawrence and I regularly pop up uh, on Instagram on a Tuesday night uh, and on a Friday night from 6pm UK time to chat, have a smoke, find out how everyone's doing. Uh, we have a gang from all over the world that joins us regularly, nearly 100 people, uh, live on Insta, and I think it's sometimes a thousand um, when it goes over to uh, IGTV. And on a Friday, we run a quiz, which I try and put together with the help of others, uh, in which you can win free cigars. It's a cigar quiz, so you need to brush up on your cigar knowledge, but it's great fun. We have a laugh. It's nothing too serious, and it's a good way to start and finish the week. Tuesday and Friday, and Souter of course, are still operating their click and collect and their online service, www.saudter.com, for all your cigar needs. Uh, my other sponsors are, of course, Rutherford's. Now, you must check out Rutherford's via www.rutherfordsengland.com. They make the most beautiful beautiful pieces of uh, artisanal uh, bridal leather in fact i commissioned three uh, of their amazing uh, music cases for my girls for christmas and they are just incredible i must get some stuff up on social so you can see those um check them out they're doing some amazing things i know they're sending hundreds of things to japan at the moment where their products are highly sought after many thanks to them for being on board uh, we're powered by Bovida, don't forget that, for all your humidification needs. And as I say, if you've got any humidification questions about how, uh, what percentage relative humidity you should uh, store your cigars at, if you're smoking them, if you're aging them, uh, big cabinets, little cabinets, all sorts of things like that, don't worry, we've got someone who can help. In fact, we'll get Benny Patop from Bovida on and uh, we'll chat to him in the near future. So thanks to them also. So without further ado, let me uh, introduce you to today's guest. He plays a sport that you either, I think you're either a big fan or you just think, oh lordy, not that. Now, I'm uh, the former, my wife is the latter, but as a young kid I used to watch this guy and, and just be mesmerised. I won't keep you waiting any longer. This is the legend and the seven times world snooker champion, Mr. Stephen Hendry. Morning, Stephen. Good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm in fine form. I've been looking forward to this after that, as I, as I just said, you know, a little bit of, well, it was, that's what the 80s were like. It, it, snooker was just a massive thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I remember I, I got to, I had some professional 85. Uh, right. I got I got a, a small table from a Christmas uh, two weeks before my thirteenth birthday, and I hadn't really watched it on TV. But but you're right. I mean, I was back pre pre Sky Sports, so there was only three. I don't even think even Channel Four was around in those days. I'm not sure. No, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I mean, little you know, late eighties there was a, an actual absolute boom in snooker where it was on a lot on ITV and BBC, and and you're right that the, the players, the top players, became so famous because. 
Um, in snooker, the camera's right on your face. It's not like yeah. you watch a football match and you get the odd close-up of the players. Um, certainly, getting, these days, you get more camera views, but you would only see them from a distance on the pitch. Where snooker players, it was right on you. So That's right. the snooker players became the most sort of recognisable, sort of famous faces in the country for, for a good few years. Well, and I was thinking this morning on the way of t- taking my kids to school and just thinking about this conversation. And yeah, that, that was a, that's a good point because they were focusing right on you. So you, when you were first on TV, h- how old would you have been? Well, my very first TV appearance, I was only uh, 14, I think. It was Junior Pop Black. So, and from that, so that day on, my, my... you know, you, you're a gawky teenage kid like we've all been. Um, yeah. You know, and suddenly you are slapped into a, the living room of, a, you know, 20 million people across the UK. And you, that's really quite hard to cope with. Was that something that you found difficult or at that time were you just not bothered about that sort of thing? Um, to be fair, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't that bothered. I mean, I started being on the TV regularly, um, I think probably the age of sort of 17, 18. Um, I started, you know, getting, as I got better, when I turned professional at 16, I was losing right. more in the beginning. But as I got better, I was just more on TV. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a bit surreal in the beginning when you're walking around. You can't go down to, you know, your local shops where you live or whatever, and people obviously recognise you. And, and, and obviously being, being sort of the first Scottish player to do anything in snooker, really, um, in modern-day snooker, you know, a lot of a lot of sort of um, newspaper coverage, a lot of interviews and stuff. So yeah, I became sort of I would say the word famous, but I did become sort of pretty well well recognised quite soon. Um, and it was yeah, it, it was weird, but I didn't you know I I kind of enjoyed it, but it was obviously hard. I mean, what I mean, you're you're a teenage boy with sort of bad skin in the beginning. People are sort of picking on your picking on your your your, your faults and everything all the time and everything yeah. instead of instead of instead of your snooker, but. Yeah, I just kind of got on with it. I, I loved, I loved what I was doing, and um, yeah, just I was more concentrating on on improving my game and getting better than than what people were saying about me, really. Yeah, well, I was thinking, I was thinking that you seem like a very well. To, in order to have done what you did, you needed to be a very focused, hard-headed person, and I'd imagine that you, you're quite good at switching outside things off when it comes down to it. But nevertheless, it's still a tough tough gig for a young kid to have everyone you know in typical sort of british fashion taking the piss out of you rather than you know praising you for what you're doing but yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and I, th- I think i think i think that's when 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 obviously i had a very good you know, solid family background and, and and a good man good management as well and i think that's very important because if you're on your own or you had someone that didn't really look after you in terms of you know not not you know if, if there were certain interviews requests came in no we didn't do them i mean we, we never didn't do anything sort of at the front of the paper it was always at the back of the paper i did you know my, my stuff and to, you know you need someone to protect you from from um that side of things because i mean the british media can, can be pretty hard, harsh if you're if you're not protected very much so and especially in many ways then it was absolute free-for-all wasn't it the red tops were all yeah, fighting very much so yeah um and it was brutal some of it um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, later on, I mean, I mean, it's when you get a bit more more success in that. I mean, you if, if you if you did get a request in for for, for an interview and you and it was you knew it was. I mean, if it was a, a female journalist, you were very wary because they weren't really you knew they weren't really interested in snooker. They were more interested in private life and and all right. things you go on so so you had to be you had to be very careful um how you answered any question because um as you know i mean it could get twisted however however way they choose yeah um, and, 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 and so and, they were and, trying and, to trap you and things like that weren't they yeah very much so and, and, and there was a two or three times that as you know doing interviews that I, that I was um i fell fell of that just just through inexperience um you know questions about my relationship with my girlfriend in the beginning and stuff you would you would you would think you're being very very honest in answering and like you know, I, I think it was there was a stage where my, my girlfriend became my wife. Um, we she lived in England, I lived in Scotland, so we only seen each other once a month, maybe. Um, and I, used to, you know, I did this interview, and he asked me, "How often do you see your girlfriend?" I said, "Only once a month because I've got my snooker, and my manager wants to, you know, concentrate on my career and everything." And then it came out; it was Hendry. It was like <laughs> I thought. I, was, I thought I was just, you know, saying the things as they were. You know, I was being truthful, but they turned it around to made it out like. That I was in this regime where I was allowed to do anything. Right. Yeah, I can believe there was all of that going on. But aside from that, the snooker, I mean, when, fascinating for me thinking about that time. And you've been absolutely 
steeped in it ever since. Um, there's a million things that I would like to ask you, but we haven't got all day, and I know you've got to go back and do stuff. Did you, so were you at the tail end of Alex's career then? You'd have played him a few times, would you, Alex Higgins? Yeah, I mean, I was I was very fortunate. I turned professional at 16, and um, when I started going to the tournaments, Alex would, would sort of beckon me to come and practice with him. Um, you know, wow. it was, looking back, I mean, it was quite flattering because obviously he's seen something in me because if it was if I was hopeless he wouldn't want to spend time playing snooker with me no. but he obviously seen that I had something um and I used to spend you know a couple of hours you know a, a lot of the tournaments you know having a game with him which was incredible for me because these people were heroes to me Jimmy White was my first hero um but obviously the likes of Alex Steve Davis all these guys I watched on TV because that's how I learned by watching all these players play really so getting the chance to, as a 16 year old to practice with him and so, so yeah, we, we, I think I can't remember the exact year when I sort of stopped playing, but certainly, um, yeah, I played him a good few times. I mean, we were on great terms the first two, three years, but, but obviously when then I started winning, then I became the enemy and then, then he didn't like me so much. Um, cause obviously him and Steve, <laughs> I can believe that. Yeah. Steve Davis and him were sort of obviously they hated Steve Davis. Um, really? cause he was a kind of anti Alex Higgins anti Alex was, you know, yeah. the rebel and, and the great character and, and Steve Davis was a straight robot winning everything. Um, <laughs> Did so, that, yeah, was I, that off the table as well, Stephen? Would he be, you know, caustic to him if they had, because you you blokes all just sort of lived cheek by jowl at those times, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, off the table, I mean, they, they just they just weren't weren't compatible as characters right. anyway. It, I don't think it was anything to do at Steve's side of things. It was just Alex, you know, yeah. it was just, you know, Alex wouldn't, um, wouldn't like the way Steve, the way, you know, he hit the, He's seen Steve and Barry Heron as kind of the establishment, ruin the sort of, and he was yeah. the character. He was the people's champion. He was. Um, he needed so an yeah, enemy I mean, as well, didn't he? Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and their rivalry. I mean, I'm, I used to, I used to take. You're talking about taping matches. I used to take all their matches. It was brilliant to watch their the, or the finals <laughs> they played and everything. Yeah. Um, it, it it was great, but yeah, I mean, but 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 Steve, to be fair, didn't really mix with anyone. Um, never mind just Alex. Steve, right. Steve kept Steve very much kept himself to himself, and that was, I think, a. A deliberate um, ploy um, to you know, and I, and I adopted that as well in my, in my career. You know, you. I think I, I think as an individual sport, you have to keep yourself away from the people you're you're competing with. Because so some of friendly. them, some of them presumably would be all pally pally having a drink together, yep. and you thought, right, no, sod this, I'm gonna set myself apart, sort of thing, consciously. Well, it was it was a kind of between myself and my manager. We we basically went down the sort of Steve Davis Barry Heron route of of. The whole, I mean, as, as I said, you know, Jimmy White was my idol growing up. But then, then when my manager Ian Doll sort of took took over my career, it was basically we 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 followed the, the Steve Davis route. You know, you're you're going to practice hours and hours every day. You're going to work your bollocks off, and you're going to stay away from everyone. You're not going to go partying. You're not going to go drinking. It's just going yeah. to be single mindedly get to the top. And that and that's the sort of route. So we basically we we copied the sort of um, Barry Steve way way of way of, of going 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 down the road of of, of being the best. And I used to sign up for what was the snooker magazine, Stephen? That used to come out. Um, there was there was snooker scene. Yeah, my, and there there was there was one called Q World. I think that, that didn't last very long. Uh, um, um, and it um, used to have pictures of you guys, you know, riding a camel in bloody Dubai, and there'd be Len Gamley yeah. and you, you and Steve, and going around doing stuff all over the world in this crazy, yeah. crazy little bubble of existence. Yeah, it was it was it was it was, in, it was incredible, really. I mean, I think the first tour i did abroad was with matchroom um obviously barry heron's company yeah. managed all the top players and they invited me because i'd started winning a couple of tournaments uh, when i was 17 or 18 we went did a tour went to um japan hong kong thailand and and uh, delhi i think and they were, i mean they were all that was the first time they were all in first class um, really and, and we were traveling and it was like a complete eye-opener to me and i just loved it um, whereabouts are you from Stephen? in scotland i was born in edinburgh in Gorgie, okay. so 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 I was a Hearts fan growing up, um, um, and then my I, I live down south now because um, I, I got divorced about seven eight years ago. But I, I lived in Octorarder, which is in Perthshire, okay. for about tw tw 20, 25 years near Glen Eagles Hotel. Um, so, um, but, uh, but born in Edinburgh. So as a kid, you wouldn't have you know experienced that level of travel or anything until suddenly you were on a plane with oh, all these guys flying around first class. Not at all. I mean, we didn't we didn't go for for holidays abroad um, as a family. Um, I think the furthest we went was Jersey. <laughs> so 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 yeah. I mean, this 
and, and I mean, I just loved it. And to this day, tra- travel is my most favorite thing. I just, I just love it. Um, you know, obviously during yeah. during these COVID times, I mean, I just, I mean, I just want to sit in a bloody airline lounge. Never mind getting a plane. It's just, miss, I'm missing it so much because ever since I was sort of the age of 16, 17, I've, I've been you know, traveling all over the world all, all the time. So it's, um, it's, it's just now I'm, I'm just, I'm, as ever, look, ever, people have got it worse than me, a lot worse than me, but I'm just, you know, bored sitting at home all the time and, and come yeah. to Milton Keynes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then that's a bloody big trip out. Yeah. <laughs> How sad has it become when we're thrilled to be going to Milton <laughs> But I agree. I was thinking exactly the same thing. I spent a lot of my time dashing about and it, and it just freshens mm. you up and it gives you a new new perspective on life, doesn't it? And to... You know, I know people used to spend their entire lives in the same village, in the same town sort of mm-hmm. thing. But life, I think, has moved on. And, yeah, to just to be – it's been incredible to be stuck at home for uh, for nine months. I find it really, really difficult, and you yeah. probably do as well. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, we used to go abroad to play loads of tournaments. There used to be players that hated it. I mean, they, they wanted to play every tournament in the UK. Really? Um, you know, and used to see them at the airport, and they'd be in tears, you know, saying goodbye to their partner and – when they got away, they were phoning home like twenty times a day and all that. But <laughs> I, I, I just loved it. I just love being on my own. I've always liked my own, my own company, which is not everyone can yeah. do. Um, so a lot of a lot of players, you know, they need to take someone with them and, and share rooms with them and everything. I think I can't. I don't even understand that. I, I like to get away and on my own and do my own thing. Um, and I just I just loved it. I just wanted to travel and and you know, if I played a tournament in a different country every every week, I'd do it. That's interesting. Very interesting. It's it is all about your character, yeah, isn't it? Very and, much so. Um, very true. I'm very happy in my own skin. Very comfortable in my own company. Yeah. Um, I mean, it always amazes me that happily... people people, do, people see you and you say you're going out to a restaurant to eat on your own, and people say, "What you're going to a restaurant on your own?" And, and, yeah. and people can't understand it. They they literally cannot <laughs> understand how you can go to a restaurant. And I, I said, "I'm quite happy. Quite happy." Yeah, I agree. I let, and that's funny you should say that this week. I let, I let you into a little a Hammond secret. So I went off to London to do various things before um, Christmas. And so I decided that each year I have I have the Nick Hammond Christmas party, right? <laughs> uh, to, so the company, which is me, has a company party, which is me. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> and I treat myself to a slap up dinner somewhere on my own. Uh, and I have a Christmas bash, and it always makes me chuckle. It sounds like That's you can have one of those as That's well. genius. That is genius. I love it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, the company's been generous this year. It's bought me a glass <laughs> of champagne. <laughs> Excellent stuff. So tell me about um, when you were away. I mean, let's let, let, well, well, whilst I think of it, let's talk about cigars. What? How did you get introduced to cigars? Because I know that you do love a good cigar. Yeah, I, I've um, I've got a friend in Shanghai um, who who's who I've seen for for years, um, and um, I've known a, known a long time. And, and whenever we went for out, out, he took me out for dinner in Shanghai. He'd always, he'd always light up um, sort of towards the end of the meal. I always enjoyed the smell. Um, I've never had one single drag of a cigarette in my life. Right. I've I've always hit that. You know, my, my parents both smoked, um, and I never liked the smell of smoke. Obviously. The, you know, pre-smoking ban in snooker halls, it would it would reek of cigarettes. Oh, yes, of course, um, yeah, everybody. And, and it'd be hard. I mean, a lot a lot of the players. I mean, when you watch old footage, you can see them smoking next to you in the chair, which is incredible, really. When you look it back, is. yeah. Um, but yeah, and I never liked cigarettes, but I always liked the smell. Um, and it was one time. It was about must. And looking back now, it's probably about twelve years ago now. And I said to him, I said, you know, do you mind if I try it? Um. And obviously, like, I knew you didn't, you know, inhale, inhale them and everything. So I had a time, and I just, I just thought that oh, that's lovely. And at the end of a meal, so I, I started off very slowly, yeah, um, having the odd one at the end of it. But, but then I just got to like it more and more and more. And I say, no, no, I love it. <laughs> exactly like the rest of us, and it drags you in, and you start finding out about all the different brands and stuff. So what would yeah. be a, what would be a go-to smoke for you, Stephen? Um. Well, I mean, because I spend so much time in China, um, well, before, obviously, pre-COVID, I mean, the, the, the company I work for, I'm based out in China every month. Oh, um, really? I've been, I've, I've been to, like, 60 cities. I'm, I'm the global ambassador for Chinese 8-Ball Pool. Uh-huh. Um, so that so basically, it entails me eating and drinking my way around China. That's basically Fantastic. my job. <laughs> right, so, I, can hear, I can see a podcast episode coming up. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so yeah, yeah. Um, so, but anyway, uh, go, go, go off subject. But I, I always try travel Emirates, so I also go via Dubai. So obviously, that you can get the, you know, these great right. 
cigars are dead cheap in Dubai Airport. Um, so, um, yeah, I suppose I go to, I mean, I, I, as, I, as you know, I love an E2. Oh. Um, I love um, an, an Epicure number two. Um, yeah, I mean, but, but I suppose the Partagas is, is probably my, my, my go-to. Uh, I don't smoke a lot during the day. Okay. Um, I've had I've had the odd one, um, and it, it's amazing because I've I've, I've had a party of tuna and you think, and you get you get a couple of hours where you think, oh, that that hit me. Yes, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe the difference between smoking one during the day and smoking one at night after a meal. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. It's important that um, it's definitely after food generally. That and if you don't, you make mm. you only sort of make that mistake once, and then you think, mm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not doing that again. And, and you, 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 exactly, and you find something later. You find yeah. something a lot lighter, but um, but yeah, yeah. So so yeah, the, the party is probably. But um, I, I I try and try as as many as as possible. You know, my friend, um, my friend Andy Goldstein, um, who you probably know, he he he's on Talk Sport yes. and he presents some of the sniffing years. He's he's a big cigar man as well. And um, we go into the place in London, um, the Corinthia or the Lanesborough or the Church or whatever. Mm. Um, and we 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 always I know you can a lot of these places you can take your own, but we always buy one and try something different. Um, yeah, so it, it's nice. Yeah, exactly. And I also think that's good manners as well. If someone's, you know, they've built a place specifically for you, the least yeah. you can do is support them, right? Exactly. exactly. I mean, I mean, even if you're going to go and smoke one of your, smoke one of those as well, at least. Um, yes. Yeah, don't, don't don't just go there. Yeah, I, I understand completely. Yeah. But yeah. Um, just, I mean, going off, talking about my travels. So I was in, um, three years ago, I was in Laos um, for, for um, my employer. So there, there's, a, there's a huge... Um, building going on there. Uh, um, basically, they're going to build a kind of a new Macau in Laos okay. um, for the Chinese to come and, and do their gambling and everything. So, we was there because obviously the people I work for were going to put pool tables there. Um, and the guy we met, who was kind of like a Chinese sort of gangster sort of person, he looked like a Bond <laughs> villain. Anyway, he, he always had this massive cigar in his mouth, and um, we we had one one night, and I told him I loved them, and he gave me a gift. Um, when I left, and it was a box of um, Bahiki 54s. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I say, well, but I had never had a clue what they were. I, I, like, and I knew Cohibas were nice, but I didn't know these ones. So I, and like, I, I got back to the room and I Googled them. I couldn't believe what they were. Um, and I've, I've got one left. I think this was three years ago for you. I've got one left, which I'm saving. But um, Have you enjoyed them? Oh, my God. I mean, they're just incredible. Just, I mean, it's, it's yeah. I mean, you get... It's like when people say, um, you know, about wine, they say, oh, all wine tastes the same to me. It's like, if you buy expensive, it tastes the same, isn't it? And it doesn't. And I think with this cigar, to me anyway, it's, you, you know you're, you're, you're smoking something special. Yes, it's very different. To, it's very different to everything else. And it, it's that extra, they have that extra leaf, that medio tiempo, which right. is a little tiny, tiny leaf which they nip off as it grows out normally they you know it doesn't it doesn't grow always grow it sometimes grows and they normally remove it and it just grows into a normal tobacco plant so it's quite you know it doesn't happen very often there's not much of it they're only tiny little bits of leaf but it's a completely different flavor and that's why those bahikes are just so unique Um, yeah yeah and so but I say I've, got, I've, got, I've got one. I've got one left, and, and but I mean, people say oh, you're saving it for a special occasion. And I always say, well, that is a special occasion when you smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You don't need an excuse, do you? Really? Well, no, we must. No. Um, when times have calmed, we must catch up, and we'll have a we'll have a little definitely. tour of London. I know a few good spots. Yeah, definitely. Be nice. Um, tell us about your your clothing company because that's going great guns on your social media. I've noticed. Yeah, it's 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 um. Yeah, my, my agent um, Gary, who I've been with now for two or three years. I mean, I I, I know nothing about obviously the, the power of content on social media and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and he, he also looks after uh, Nick Doherty, the golfer, the order who presents golf and Sky Sports. Okay. So so we get together. So Nick Doherty did a thing on an Instagram called Tea Time Tips, which were basically people requesting shots and golf for him to teach. So. We decided to do um, Gary's. They would do Q-tips, which is the same kind of thing, but on a snooker table. So I've been right. doing. I think I'm on. I've done ten series of it. Um, the first series just my shots, short shots, and then obviously you, you get requests for people to do shots. So it just kind of developed from there. And I would like Q-tips merchandise. Um, I mean, I, you know, I'm never. It's, it's never going to be a Del Boy moment. Next this time, next year will be millionaires. But it's quite. It's it's it's, it's quite exciting. The fact that we sold um, these Q-tips hoodies or T-shirts to like. I think 25 different countries now. Nice. Um, 
which is which is it's it's quite weird when you think about it. Um, but yeah, it, it's going pretty well. So and we've got a couple of ideas to sort of widen it out, but um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. <clears throat> You're right. I feel the same way about, you know, like I've written the book and then somebody will send you a picture from, I don't know, Sydney, Australia or something. And you think this is, you know, so amazing yeah. that this little thing that I have a little bit to do with is just zipped across the world. Yeah. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah, I've, I've, I've sold, I've sold, I think we've sold about a dozen in Australia. Really? So yeah, you, you think some of the other side of the world is, is wearing like, you know, Q-tips, something that we've invented, come up with. Um, you know, the other side of the world, it is, it's, it's, it, when you stop to think of it, sometimes you take it for granted, but when you stop to think about it, you think, wow, that's 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 actually quite, quite surreal. Yeah, it's weird. And it makes you feel like the, the world isn't a very big place, but you would know yeah. from having jumped on the plane and gone, 16 hours to bloody Malaysia or whatever that it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So when's your, if and when you can, what's the next trip? Will you be straight over back to China on tour around there? Well, I mean, the, the, the people I work for, I've been, I've been every month been sort of saying, when when can you come back? When can you come back? But um, because obviously China's pretty much back to normal from the people, like the friends I've got out there that I speak to. I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, they're going out clubbing, really? they're going, they're doing, um, they have, if they have a tiny breakout somewhere, it's sort of, nipped in the bud very quickly and um, i mean i think their their idea of a lockdown is very different to ours yes um so so yeah there's and so it's, it's actually fine out there but it's just getting there i think get, obtaining a visa um a chinese visa is very difficult at the moment um, right. which because i said to them you might find a problem getting me a visa because basically you've you've got to get a letter from their local government or whatever to them and then they've got to get it over to you and you take it i take it to the the embassy here and everything so it's quite a, a I mean, it's a difficult enough process anyway, but it's even more difficult now. So I kind of, I kind of reckon maybe spring. I would think possibly. Um, obviously, the, va- the vaccine right. situation. Who knows what how if that's going to help a lot? But um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm dying to go back. I mean, I, I miss the food so much. I love the food out there. Um, really? And I, and I just yeah, just I just miss, as I say, I miss the travel. The food must be amazing, and I've I'd love to go because. Obviously, it's a huge country, and you hear about the massive towns with millions of people in them. But there's vast tracts of really stunning countryside as well. Do you get to get out much? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen, as I say, I've been to about sixty cities now, and I've seen some some amazing things. Like you go up to sort of Inner Mongolia on the grasslands, and I've eaten, you know, you know, big, you know, barbecued lambs on 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 in, in tents. Um, wow. In in Inner Mongolia and and. I mean, I've eaten some some weird shit. To be fair, um, I, I mean, when it, my, <laughs> my, like? my my first time in, in China was 1987, and I hated it because I didn't like the food. I was no. young, I was I was ignorant about it, and I just, yeah. you know, the, and and to be fair, China was a very much different place then than it is now. True. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, probably bear's claw is probably one of the weirdest Bloody things hell. I've eaten. Um, yeah, I was in a restaurant in Harbin in northern China, and uh, we were taken to this exclusive restaurant. Basically, had one table. And they brought all these dishes out, um, and on the menu that was bear's claw. There was wolf. Um, there was uh, starfish. There was uh, I, there was all sort of these. And you know, it, to be fair, I mean, the texture wasn't great. The taste was lovely <laughs> because it, the, the the way they cooked it was lovely, but the texture wasn't great. Um, so, will you happily I, now go in and order dim sum and have you know chicken's feet and duck's tongue and all of that stuff? No problem yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I love all that. I mean, I mean, ducks tongues. I mean, they have they have they have that as snacks. Like we have peanuts in a yeah. bar. They yeah. have ducks tongue. They're spicy ducks tongues and that. And that, yeah, I love it. Chickens feet. They're, they're great. I mean, they're, they're, there's not much on there, but there's you know, as, and you get the and the first time you sort of see them, um, you know, in addition, they're, they're like stick. I mean, they kind of look like baby's hands. I mean, it's like it's it's not. Um, yeah, they don't they don't look the most appetizing. But when you, you eat them, they're, they're actually. Once, once I find with Chinese food that the authentic Chinese food, once you get away from like the visual and the texture, yeah, you kind of think it's actually delicious. Um, so yeah, you, you've got to sort of um, be open-minded, and, and you know, I, I suppose there'll be a lot of people listen to this will think you know it's horrendous what I'm what I'm eating and stuff. But um, well, but when you're out there that, that's, and that's you're on the road, yeah, I mean, if you you know you're going to be out there, you're on your tod, you're going to be out there for weeks on the road. You might as well get stuck in, mightn't you? 
Yeah, I mean, I never, they always, when you go to cities and they'll say, oh, you, do you want us to take to a Western rest? I said, no, 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 that's, I'm, I'm here. I'm eating Chinese food. That's the, that's all I'm eating. Um, um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I never, I, when I'm out there, that's it. I, I just, I just eat what's there. I mean, for breakfast, I'll have like beef noodle soup for breakfast. Um, Amazing. You know, you know, in the hotels, they'll have this Western buffet that's, you know, lovely. But no, I, I just go to the Chinese sections, yeah. That's very interesting. And do you find, do you feel you eat healthier, you feel better, you eat less stodgy stuff? Very much so, because I'm, I, I, I post quite a lot on, on my social media about food I'm eating when I'm out there. And the comments I get back is, oh, my God, Stephen, why aren't you? So, I mean, I mean, I, I am putting on weight, say because I love my food and wine. <laughs> but, um, but, but people say, oh, why, you know, you must, you, you should be huge. But actually out there, you don't eat a lot of... Um, like no. puddings and stuff they, they don't eat a lot of puddings at the end of the meal you get fruit you don't you don't get a dessert menu when you're in china so and a lot of it is is um uh fruit uh, meat vegetables fish um yeah. they only eat right they only eat rice at the end of the meal at, you know, to fill you up yeah if you're still hungry either a rice dish or a noodle dish which they call staple food will come at the end of the meal to fill you up ah. um so so with because they they believe that the rice spoils the taste of the food if you eat it during so very rarely, very rarely, if you go to a proper Chinese in China, that they'll, you'll get you'd, you'd have to ask for rice if you wanted it with your food. And they'd think that was a bit unusual if you did. Yeah, I mean, some some people do it, but um, they tend to eat more rice with food at lunchtime rather than evening meal. Right. Um, I suppose that's because they eat very early at night. Um, you know, when I'm out there, you, I'll, I'll get up in the morning at night and at 11 o'clock we're doing lunch. Oh, really? I think I've, I think I've just got up. And then you finish that, and then they're doing dinner at five, and then Crumb. and then some of the sort of cities in the sort of outskirts, you you can't get anywhere after open after eight o'clock at night. Oh really? So um, yeah, it's, it's um, and how have you been? How do you find that they um, welcome you as a Westerner? Have you always felt very safe out there, Stephen? Incredibly safe. I I I feel safer walking around some obscure city in China than walking around. Um, of some city here in England at one really? o'clock in the morning. Yes, it's, it's it's very safe, and and they look after you so well. I mean, there's there's different things that that you have to get used to in China. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Um, people going there for the first time are kind of shocked by a lot of things, but um, which I won't go into. But um, but yeah, once you're used to it and the cuts, you know, I just I just love it. No, it's really interesting. I bet that is, a, you know, it's almost like going to Mars, isn't it, and going to a totally yeah, different yeah. planet. Um, yeah, and it's quite quite a big cigar culture as well. In in, in the big in the bigger cities, is there? Um, yeah, they love a cigar. I mean, there's obviously there's there's there's, there's a, a sort of um, you have to be careful because there's a lot of fake cigars. Yeah. Um, but if you get but if you, in the sort of the Shanghai's, the Beijing's, the bigger city, the Shenzhen's, places like that, there's um, yeah, a massive massive cigar um, culture. What and they got lounges and things like that. Mm. Yeah, very much so. And if if you go to a a lot of the cities, apart from the bigger ones, they actually can still smoke inside. Um, right. It's 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 um, obviously Shanghai, Beijing, the bigger ones. You, you know, you're not allowed to. Um, you have to go to special um, cigar lounges that have got outside facilities. But a lot of the places, when you go out a bit out, um, you can still smoke inside. Is it still a massive cigarette culture? Yes. Yeah. Very much yeah. so. Right. Very much so. Have you come across Baiju? Yeah. Because that, yeah. I, the other, how do you say it? Baijo. Baijo. Okay. Yeah. So someone said to me, you know, the other day, do you know what the the biggest selling spirit in the world is, or the most consumed spirit in the world is? And I said, well, I don't know. I suppose whiskey of some sort. No, no, it's this Baijo. Yeah. What on the hell is that? It's, Tell us about it's, that. It's um this clear it's chinese rice rice wine um it's clear liquid and, and it can it, it can be bloody expensive the, the, the good stuff is this fortunes yeah um but they they um so basically if you go to i mean i don't like it i'll start off there i don't like it i don't i don't drink it i just even the smell i just really just something i mean i could drink most things believe me but <laughs> I, i'll sometimes if it's someone really important and you have to you know, I'll, I'll have a little tiny little sip um to, to sort of che- do a cheers but um yeah, they 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 they, they kind of it's their it's their drink. I mean, you go out for dinners, like business dinners at lobby, you know, over, over this baijiu, and really? what you do, you get you get a tiny little glass, yeah, um, where you're sitting, and you get a, t- a little glass jug. So the waitress will pour the jug full. It's not a big jug, and then you you help yourself. But it's basically 
it's cheers and it's all gambe which is like down it in one um, um you know i think i think a lot of british confuse gambe with cheers because cheers is just you clink your glasses and you have a drink gambe yeah. is down in one is it right <laughs> so you could get into trouble if you didn't know if you didn't know what does it taste like then um Oh, it's it's hard to describe. I'm I'm not the best at describing. It's, it's a yeasty um, thing, isn't it? It's made from yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's 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 um yeah, and and the even the the, the most most expensive like motai, I think is the most one of the most expensive ones, and it's yeah, even I just can't. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I love I love a whiskey. I love a, I love most things, but no, yeah. it's um it's it's not it's not for me. Well, you were good enough to try the Oriental cigar gin, so at least that went down. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that was that was lovely. That was, lovely. <laughs> that was no bye, Joe. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, that's really and, interesting. Yeah. I'll have to get. And some. it's about fifty. It's about fifty, fifty, sixty percent or something as is well. Oh. Yes, yeah, so yeah, it's lethal. And but and but the amazing thing is because I didn't like it. So when I was going to the first event, I don't like. I'm going to drink red wine instead. Um, so then they would all drink red wine, and, and ah. they would get drunk. They, they would get drunk really quickly on red wine, whereas they they, they could drink the baijiu all night. Really, mm. that's interesting. Uh, so mm. they felt obliged to do what you were doing out of politeness, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Although the one of them, the one of the most unusual things is is when they I'd, I'd be with. Um, I mean, I've been out invited out by some pretty wealthy people. And they give you, you go to a restaurant, they give you the wine list and I say, I can choose anything. So you choose something that's maybe a thousand pound bottle of wine. No. Um, it's no, it's no problem. And then, and then they proceed to put slices of lemon in it. <laughs> well, that's true. And I heard that before. And someone's told me a great story about um, a similar thing. Somebody was in a restaurant and the Chinese, there was a Chinese table and they were buying every wine they could get their hands on. All the really expensive stuff. Yeah. Petruses and whatever, and bringing it to the table and pouring diet coke in it and drinking. Yeah, yeah. And this guy yeah, went they, they up and it. said, "I can't believe what you are doing. You know that is sacrilege." And and then the yeah. Chinese guys turned around and said, "What? You know why is it a problem? You've been doing it for centuries to our tea." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, nice one, nice yeah. one. Yeah, that's but, so um, odd, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think in terms of alcohol, I think it's, it seems to have quite sweet, sweet taste. Right. Um, so that it's like they want to get you know. Yeah, I mean, I keep calling them It's pretty sounds pretty rude, but um, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's a straight, it's, yeah, Sprite, Coca Cola. Um, wow. it's almost like they want to get sweeten it, sweeten the taste a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I haven't seen that. I mean, imagine if you're sitting there and they putting this stuff in a great wine. That must be just just remarkable. So when well, you yeah, and, and and do and, and like downing it in one as well. That's, 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 I mean, I, I'm just I'm smelling it. I'm appreciating it. Oh, they were down the wine, loving this. Yeah, yeah, it's just like gambe, gambe. <laughs> Tell us about uh, what about uh, have you made any real good social faux pas while you've been out there? Um, <laughs> Something that in hindsight well, you think, oh no, I shouldn't have done when, that. <laughs> I think I think something I think that the language is is very I mean I, I when when I had this two, when I retired from snooker in 2012 that's when I, I took on this job uh, right. I was approached to do this work in China and um so I, I actually went to a, a university in Scotland to try and get lessons in Mandarin yeah but I, I basically had five lessons and I gave but it was too difficult it was just so hard is it um I mean every every letter's got four different tones every word's got four tones oh my God. so it is a, it's a whole minefield um so i'd be out in china and um i obviously do shows or whatever you'd have to sign autographs or whatever and so the the word for pen is b right but also the world for female genitalia is b (laughs) if you say a slightly different tone so i like i'd be asking my my pa for a pen but like and he would say no place where he's asked no no just like (laughs) But they just look at uh, you as if to say, yeah, yeah. that's not quite right, Stephen. No, I know. So, um, yeah, so I, I, sort of learned, yeah, I learned a few words and stuff, but yeah, the, the, the language is, is, is a minefield. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, you've, you've got to, you've got to be, they're a very different race of people. I mean, one, one of the things, that, I mean, they, they've got no filter when it comes to, I mean, I, I would turn up at an airport and my PA, would, who I know obviously very well, and the first thing would say, oh, well, Stephen, why are you so fat? Really? I mean, yeah. I mean, British people wouldn't say would never dream. It. I mean, if you knew someone really, really well here, you'd say you'd maybe say, "Oh, well, you're putting on the beef or something like." Yeah. Like, 
Just, yeah, just straight, straight out. out. <laughs> yeah. No, like, no. I went, oh, cheers. Thanks very Thanks much. Thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> nice to see you. Oh, so, um, how funny. They're, they're very, very um, straightforward, uh, sort of in your face. Um, they just they just tell the truth straight away. <laughs> yeah. So to them, it's just normal conversation. Yeah. Yeah. They don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> uh, so when you're out there, are you out for literally like months at a time or are you coming home, going out? How does it work? It, it it could it could be anything, Nick. Um, I mean, I've I've had a phone, I've had a a, a message uh, on WeChat on say Tuesday saying, "Are you free to come out at the weekend?" Um, oh. And I'll come at the weekend and fly out, do do an appearance the next day, and then fly back to UK. Really? Um, or I could be out for two weeks, three weeks, and be at six different cities while I'm out there. So travel within China. So it it kind it kind of varies. Um, the first two or three years I worked for the company, I was I was out there two times a month. Um, yeah, because I, I got I I know I was out there a lot because I got up to platinum status in Emirates. <laughs> so I kind of showed you how, how much traveling I was doing. What does an appearance involve then, Stephen? When you're out there, do you have to have play a exhibition or something? Um. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's going to a city and obviously meet, meeting the the local. You'd meet the local dignitaries and and, and, and right. stuff, and um, or and you'd play the local champion at pool. Um, I mean, I played in. I mean, when I first went out there, I played a pool match. Um, I mean, I wasn't. It wasn't a, a competition. It was just playing the local champion. For there's five and a half thousand people in this really? arena. Wow. Which is the biggest? I mean, the biggest crowd I'd played before that was almost three thousand. The old Wembley Conference Centre for the Benson Hedges Masters. Um, so yeah, this was playing a pool match in sort of five thousand people, which was incredible. Um, but you would play a match in maybe a, a shopping mall. They'd put a table in. Um, uh, yeah, or, or different different uh, kinds of things. Yeah, and they'd know who you were. Yeah. They'd all know who you are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, when I first went you know, going to. As I say, going up to up to the you know real northern China and um, you know places where I've been to places in China, cities where you look the other the other side of the river is North Korea. Um, wow! And stuff and 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 you like and, and people you're walking outside and people recognise you. It's, it's very strange. The the, re- the reason for that is that when when I became sort of started becoming really famous at snooker and winning a lot was sort of late 80s early 90s and that's that's when china started getting snooker on tv so okay. so basically so basically that um steve davis and i became very very famous because we were the only people that were, they were we were winning the majority of tournaments yeah so they seen us they seen a lot of us so that kind of generation of people in china and obviously know no 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 me very very well how very surreal and um hmm. So what does a lockdown day in a, in a hotel in Milton Keynes entail? What you've got to report for duty shortly. Um, and there will be Steve or Dennis Taylor or one of the other guys that you've known for donkey's years. You all <laughs> get on pretty well. You must do. Yeah, very well. This week um, is for ITV, uh, ITV4. Okay. Uh, it's the, the World Grand Prix. So I'm doing it with Neil Folds, um, who I used to play with in the 80s, 90s. I got him very well with. Yeah. Alan McManus from Scotland, Jill Douglas presenting, um, and Ken Doherty. Um, the okay. BBC ones are Steve Davis, John Parrott, Ken again, um, and I. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, on Friday before I came here, I came here on, uh, it started on Monday night, so I arrived here Monday afternoon, but I, I got a private COVID test at, at my house on Friday. Um, right. some, you, some, sometimes you get it here, but um, they did it at home before I got here this time. Um, then obviously all being well, you're negative. I, I came here and, and basically it's like Groundhog Day. As I say we go we go on air at quarter to one, and we're basically all through the day we have a break about an hour or two in the afternoon, and then back on at seven, and then we're there till till night. So yeah, we get sort of a few hours in in the room. Um, Pre-COVID, we'd all enjoy a glass of wine or, or stuff. There's actually a, there's a terrace in this hotel outside, so. Ah, um, I could have a smoke, but it's it's absolutely freezing. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely <laughs> so you, yeah. So you don't enjoy it as much when you're you you can hardly hold a cigar because your hands are. Freezing. No, you definitely don't. You need a you need a little half Corona that you can just have in twenty minutes and call it a night. Yeah, Is yeah, it, absolutely. Um, what's the food like, Stephen? Are they you know check, try and keep it keep it fairly different? Yeah, no, we we have a we have catering on site 
Um, right. So we get our, our meals every day brought in. So it's it's it's, it's not the best. Um, I think tonight's offering is um, chicken and ham pie. I think mm-hmm. with chips and peas. So it's it's a it's a long yeah. way from the kind of food I eat in China. <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, I mean obviously there's. If, yeah, there's Deliveroo, there's places that the, there's a Turkish restaurant here that's actually very good. Okay. Um, I've had some Deliveroo stuff from there, and and, and Dennis Ken and I ate in there the last time we were here for the UK. Um, that, that's that's very good. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's you don't really have a lot of time to spend. Um, so so yeah, they don't eat well. I would say this week, but um, no, you pop over pop over in M and S and get some stuff in for the room. So you can actually nip over the road into into M and S or something like, or go for yeah. a Costa, can you, or whatever yeah yeah oh okay and um and and you take care of all your own laundry and stuff or does the hotel do that well um no i i just work yeah i go through the, my, my suitcase for the week and don't don't get any laundry done um, <laughs> um it's just it was different we did one there was an actual actual bubble serious bubble where where we were all in the third floor of the hotel and, and all our other parts of the hotel were locked off um and that was that was actually that was actually better actually because we had this lounge where we could all go at night because we all brought our own drink with us because everything was shut. Right. Um. So so we, we at night we could we could have a you know a sort of socially distanced glass of wine with each other at the end of the night. Where now although we have a test, it's not a serious bubble. We can go to the shops and stuff. Um. It's actually it's actually seems to be more restrictive the way we I are now. Know, <laughs> yeah. Do you, is there anyone else anyone else amongst the the team production unit that likes a cigar? Or is it just you? Uh, just me, just me. Yeah, there's not, there's not, there's not a lot of um cigar smokers really in in, in the in in the snooker. I don't um I don't actually know of anyone actually that that smokes a cigar. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. You're always yeah. ploughing a lonely furrow, aren't you? Yeah, that's the way I like it, Nick. <laughs> You're a man after my own heart. Why do what everyone else is doing, eh? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Can you get any exercise, Stephen? Is there a gym or anything like that? Yeah, there is a gym. Yeah, the gym's open. I mean, they've not really got a lot of time, really. No. So we 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 finish like late every night, so we tend to the mornings tend to just chill out in the room, right. and because you don't really get a lot of time to relax, so it's nice just to have a few hours just to chill out before before you go in. At least you can have a line in the morning, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there was a match last night that went on for like three three and a half hours. Fortunately, that wasn't the one we were we were showing. We only showed table one. But right. um, but but yeah, if if, if you if you're on some of these long matches, the last thing you want to do is get up early and be out and about. You just want to chill out. Yeah, and then you, is it hard to switch off at night, or are you used to it now? You get done, go straight back and get your head down. No, it's it's something I've always been good at. To be fair, it's, it's going to sleep. Even people used to say it's one of the during, especially during the World Championships, seventeen days. Yeah. Um, if you can't switch off, you're going to be struggling by the second week. Um, so it's it's actually quite an important sort of um, part of being successful there, is being able to go back to your and switch off and get sleep. Um, and that's also actually very important if you travel a lot, isn't it? Because I know people say mm. to me, "I can't sleep on planes and all that." Well, I I'm one of the lucky ones. I sleep on a clothesline as soon as I'm on the plane. I put my belt on and I go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've always found it pretty easy myself. Yeah, I mean, the the, the journey to China is obviously two flights because I'm going via Dubai and. The first flight is in the afternoon, so I'll, I'll kind of like that one. I'll have a couple of glasses of wine, watch a couple of movies or whatever. Then, then the second one is at night, so I'll always sleep. And then I know I'll sleep. Uh, I've, I've never had to take any you know sleeping pills or anything. Um, and when I get there, I would say eighty percent of the time I'm okay when I'm there. Um, obviously, you get jet lag is unpredictable. You never know when it's going to hit you. No. Um, some of the, sometimes I have a difficult time, but um, most of the time I'm fine. No, I think it's a great skill if you've got it. it yeah, there's a, some people come off a plane looking like death warmed up, bless them. So, um, <laughs> I know you've got um, you've got an hour to go then to go and get the slap on and. Um, and <laughs> well, I'm, I'm 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 not in the studio this afternoon. I'm, I'm commentating this afternoon, so you don't have to make up on things. <laughs> you don't have to um, make an effort. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, you can sort of be in your civvies to to, to go in the comms box. But I'm, I'm, I think I'm in the studio tonight, so yeah, it'll be you get the makeup on and everything tonight. Okay, mate. Well, I'll let you crack on. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. It's no, it was a pleasure. Fascinating to talk to you. Um, and let's try and catch up when the world's a bit of a more sensible place. I'd love to take you around a few haunts I know in London and and, and have a chance to have a smoke together. I look forward to it. Thanks, Stephen. All the best. Cheers, Nick. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Stephen Hendry there. What an interesting chap. 
and very happy to just pootle off to the other side of the world and, and do his thing on his own. I love that. I would love to uh, to join him one day and do a little tour of China. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, it remains for me to tell you, of course, about Around the World in 80 Cigars, the book. It's sold by the bucket load lately, which is fantastic. Um, we're running out of stock rapidly, so we're thinking about the next reprint. We did a load over Christmas. I've sent out loads of signed copies all over the world. Thank you to, to those people for getting in touch with me and requesting a signed copy for a loved one or a Christmas gift or just for yourself to keep you, uh, keep you occupied during lockdown. You can do that by contacting me, nick at nick-hammond.com. Let me know you want one and I will get one to you. Uh, the book's available in all sorts of places, all great cigar stores, Amazon, blah, blah, blah. But get them from me and I can sign them direct for you. I think that's it for today. Thank you, guys. As I say, I hope you're all well. Keep smiling. Keep going. There's light at the end of the tunnel. We will win this one cigar at a time. All the best to you and look after each other. Mm-hmm.